Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to Arkansas AgCast for August 27th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we talk to Senator John Bozeman after one of his recent farm visits this week, and we hear from Cooperative Extension Service expert Julia Fryer on produce safety issues after Hurricane Laura. We also catch up with Benton County Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee head Brenda Patton about the challenges her group has faced during COVID-19. First, Ken Moore spoke with U.S. Senator John Bozeman, who is home making visits to Arkansas farms, ranches, and agricultural businesses this week. Ken spoke to Senator Bozeman after he visited the Edamame Processing Plant in Mulberry, and he talked about the prospects for more congressional action to support farmers and ranchers and the importance of supporting our food production system during the pandemic. I'm Ken Moore, and I'm very privileged to be speaking this week with uh, Senator John Bozeman. Uh, Senator Bozeman is back home in the state uh, on recess and and making one of his uh, visits back to Arkansas. And while here, he uh, he has always taken the opportunity to make it a point to visit some of our farms and ranches here in Arkansas. Uh, As you may know, uh, he serves on the Senate Ag Committee. And uh, keeping in touch with our farmers and ranchers is very important for Senator Bozeman. So, Senator, thank you very much for giving us just a few minutes of your time to kind of update us on what's going on in Washington right now. Hey, Ken. Thank you so much for having me, as always. I appreciate the great job that you do informing uh, informing our Aggies. Yes, sir. Well, that's our, our mission is to keep our listeners and Farm Bureau members and farmers and ranchers all over the state of Arkansas informed very much on what's going on there in Washington. If you will, kind of Bring us up to date. We're so grateful for the work that Congress has done and, and the president has done earlier this year in response to the pandemic to provide uh, the CARES Act, if you will, uh, the Payment Protection Program and other forms of assistance. Uh, but as you know, as this pandemic lingers and continues, uh, unfortunately, more aid may be needed. Uh, can you bring us up to date on what's happening in the Senate and what we may look for before the end of the year? Well, you're right. We have been able to provide a lot of aid to our to our farming community and, and, and very much needed. Uh, I don't think anybody realized the supply chain, how fragile it was with our restaurants and then uh, the things in the uh, grocery store, how that works together, and then just, just the collapse of things. So it looks like we're moving in the right direction right now. That's a good thing. I think what we'll be seeing, Ken, is, is a couple things that are really critical. We are trying uh, to work really hard. I'm also on the Appropriations Committee besides being on the Ag Committee, and that's where a lot of these things are being handled. So working with Senator Hoven, uh, we're trying to get some additional dollars for farmers and ranchers as we go forward in a next phase. I don't really know what that package is going to look like, I think it's going to be much smaller than what we've done in the past in the sense that it's not going to be one of these mega multi-trillion dollar bills like like we've seen. Uh, the other thing is we're really encouraging the secretary, and he's going to do this, to go ahead. He's got some CCC dollars that he can spend. And then also uh, the CARES Act was generous enough that we had uh, some uh, – 
people uh, that that did not participate that we thought might. The numbers weren't as great. And so, uh, well, we've got some dollars left over that we can use also. So really encouraging the secretary to use the dollars he's got and then are working hard to get additional funding as we need in the next care packages as they come up. Well, certainly, and that's a you, you brought that point uh, when it was first authorized earlier this year. We had a number of our uh, farmers and ranchers who either didn't qualify or just didn't apply in time before the deadline, and now perhaps they will have at least one more opportunity to do so uh, before the end of the year. No, you're right, Ken, and, and very importantly, the Secretary was be, has been able to, just by administrative, to to catch some people that have fallen in the, through the cracks, uh, some industries that, that simply weren't specifically spelled out that he had the ability to add uh, some entities. Uh, a catfish would be a good example of that. Uh, probably 60, 70% of the catfish that is sold is in, uh, uh, you know, restaurants, uh, things like that. Well, all that has so diminished and so as a result that industry was hurt well that was that was uh, such that we were able to include things like that but in this next round we're working very hard to uh, adjust some dates uh, do some things that would uh, I think really help a great deal uh, not only with people who are being left out but people that uh, simply haven't been included enough uh, with the various commodities and you mentioned the supply chain issues we dealt with earlier this year as well, especially when it comes to uh, livestock production, uh, poultry and beef in particular, uh, even some pork processing plants. We understand and know that uh, a number of processing plants, there were outbreaks of the virus in those plants. They had to be shut down for a time. Now they're back up and running. And as I understand it, uh, production is nearing pre-pandemic levels. But nonetheless, that did take the toll on uh, cattlemen, on the cattle industry, and it's good news. I believe that we are processing back to normal, but a lot of the consumers are looking for this, these uh, the beef and pork in particular is produced locally. They're going straight to the ranchers, and uh, here in Arkansas, as you know, we just don't have hardly any uh, slaughterhouses or uh, processing plants, and so that remains a challenge, doesn't it? It does remain a challenge, and that's something that we need to do is we need increased competition. And some of that has to do with the USDA inspectors, things like that. So uh, and myself and Senator Hoven had a good talk with uh, Secretary Purdue a couple weeks about that, uh, trying to figure out how we could get some more competition. Uh, this isn't good for anyone. I, I don't even think it's good for the, the big producers because literally in some of these plants, uh, you take a plant that may be, kills five or six percent of the pork that's killed uh, you know every day if you have a day go down a day or two even one or two days could alter and does alter the uh, the prices significantly so we've got to figure out how to how to get around that and so uh, we're going to be working with the uh, the secretary working with other members in Congress to see if we can come up with some sort of a solution these are these are big problems that didn't develop overnight, but we do need to start uh, today to see how we can uh, uh, you know, figure out a plan forward so that we aren't as reliant on 
five or six companies. As we get beyond Labor Day next week, Senator, uh, I know your calendar, the days tend to dwindle because of the uh, election coming up. Uh, members of Congress are going to want to be in district campaigning, uh, making that last push and making visits with their constituents back home. Uh, so what do you expect? How do you see the rest of your congressional session playing out before between now and the election? Well, one thing that we simply have to do is, is fund the government. Uh, as you know, we don't, we're not on a calendar year. We're on a, a year that starts on October 1st. So uh, in the next month, we have to uh, make arrangements. We'll have a continuing resolution. Uh, I suspect that will be uh, you know, into December, get the election behind us so that we can make uh, you know, the final determinations as to how money is going to be spent for the next calendar year. That's That's a sad situation. You know, it's difficult to run a business. It's difficult to run any entity. We've got our agencies that are out there. They don't know really exactly what to expect regarding their budget, but uh, hopefully we can get that done uh, quickly in December. But we do need to make the determination uh, in the next in the next couple of weeks as to how we move forward with that. One thing that we can be proud of, you know, you mentioned the uh, uh, the CARES Act and, and things, up until now, and election politics have entered into this at this point, uh, sadly, but, but it is what it is, and we see this every four years. But up until now, in the Senate, all of these, these we spent probably $3 trillion. I don't think we've had a dissenting vote. So that's Republicans and Democrats you know, stepping in. Uh, the PPP program that you mentioned, the for our businesses and farmers has been very successful. And then also uh, making it such that we were able to take care of our farm community. Uh, that's been a very, very bipartisan effort. So uh, once we get through the politics of this, get through the election, I, you know, I expect that that's going to continue, which is so, so very important. Very important. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for uh, bringing that to our attention. Congress has worked together for the betterment of the entire country. And uh, these are uh, bipartisan needs, and, and we appreciate very much what you've done and uh, your colleagues there in the Senate. Uh, I know we've had some good, well, we've had some good things happening sure. in the sense that, that uh, the trade packages seem to be somewhat uh, moving forward. That's a good mm -hmm. thing. Good, good news coming out of China with some of their purchases, uh, Taiwan also. It uh, looks like we're making real headway there, and then uh, the UK. So it's so important that we continue to, uh, uh, you know, uh, not only protect the trade agreements that we have, but continue to look for additional trade. Our, our farmers were, were blessed with the safest, cheapest food supply, you know, anywhere in the world, and uh, we just need to continue to find these markets so we can sell that product. Exactly right. And, uh, of course, a highlight for this year was the official implementation of USMCA with Mexico and Canada. Oh, very much so. And that, you know, that took a lot of work. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it, we've had so many distractions since that has gone into effect. But I think that's something that we can really build on. And I would argue, too, that, that the agreement that we struck with China 
uh, you know, forcing them uh, to start playing by the rules uh, with the, the the huge purchases that they agreed to make. Now, because of COVID, uh, that, you know, things have really been in disarray. Uh, but it, I, I think that uh, ultimately those agreements will be kept uh, in the future, and, and that's going to be a tremendous market for us. Yes, sir. I'd like to wrap this up, uh, Senator, and just let you talk uh, some, about something that's very near and dear to your heart is is going on the farm, going on the ranch, visiting with our producers here back home. I know you have some visits you're going to be making today and the rest of this week. Talk about, uh, you know, who you're going to be visiting with and, and, and what you glean from them and just affirming them and letting them know that, they, you, you know, you have their ear and, uh, and, and, and you're working on their behalf. I know this is very important to you. Well, it is so important that we're out and about uh, visiting with the producers and really doing a couple of different things, just thanking them for the great work that they do, uh, continuing in, in such trying times to uh, provide uh, you know, this great, great product that they produce, the, the safest, cheapest uh, food of any place in the world. Uh, that takes so much effort. So it's really a listening session. I want to know, you know, what, We've done a number of different programs. There's some programs that are proposed, uh, and that spans so many different things, whether it's been the direct payments that we've had, uh, the conservation uh, tax uh, payments, you know, uh, programs that we've got, all of these different things to truly, really figure out what we need to do in the future. Uh, there's simply no substitute for being uh, amongst uh, our farm community out there in the field or, or uh, in the particular situations they're in. So we'll be visiting with specialty crops. We'll be visiting with our row crops. Uh, certainly our our uh, livestock has, has really been uh, hit in a very difficult situation. Our chicken growers, our pig farmers, our cattlemen, and the list just goes on and on. So uh, we were in uh, Mulberry uh, earlier talking to the uh, the folks that uh, produce the endamame uh, product the biggest endamame producers in the in the entire United States so yes. there's so yes. many things in Arkansas that we can be proud of and, uh, and and not just you know hanging in there and one of the producers so often that is the case that we are we truly are the industry setters in so many different uh, different forms of agriculture we certainly are, and we're very proud of that, and uh, we appreciate your representation, and, and I know they'll look forward to having you make those visits. Uh, Senator, thank you for being a friend of agriculture and the representation you give us on the Appropriations Committee, the Ag Committee, and uh, it's always great to visit with you when you're back home. Well, we appreciate you and appreciate the great job that you and uh, Farm Bureau do uh, informing all of us as to what's going on. Thank you very much been visiting with uh, Senator John Bozeman uh, on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Produce growers in areas affected by Hurricane Laura and other recent weather events may have experienced flooding that can contaminate certain crops. Julia Fryer with the Cooperative Extension Service talked to Keith Sutton about what farmers need to know to keep the foods they sell safe for consumption. Welcome to AgCast. This is Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today my guest is Julia Fryer a program associate with the University of Arkansas 
Division of Agriculture Cooperative Extension Service. Welcome to AgCast, Miss Julia. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, we've got uh, kind of an important message to get out. Uh, everybody in Arkansas is well aware of the issues we've had uh, due to Hurricane Laura, which came through the state uh, a few days ago. And even now, we're still experiencing a lot of rain and flooding in parts of the state. And I didn't realize, maybe some of our listeners didn't either, that floodwaters from events like these can have a negative effect on produce. And the farmers out there who are growing various kinds of produce, and I'm sure there's still some of them doing that this time of year, uh, need to know some things about how these events relate to their their produce and how to keep the produce safe. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit and tell folks uh, what we know. Sure. So first of all, the flooding in the state is really unfortunate, and I'm just so sorry for all the farmers that are having to deal with this. Um, floodwaters really do increase food safety risks especially the type of flood water that comes from overflowing surface waters. So if you'll remember last year, we had the Arkansas River flood. So that would be yes. a really risky type of flooding. Um, I'm not sure if we've had a ton of that type of flooding this go around, but I know that there are plenty of creeks and farm ponds and different bodies of water like that that have flooded. And so these types of floods um, can carry just any kind of contamination. It might be microbial contamination, which we're concerned about with uh, foodborne illnesses. It could be um, chemical contamination from the city or from pesticides or other ag chemicals that are applied. So you really need to be aware of what's around your property and what could potentially be coming into those floodwaters. There is another type of flood water that's a lot lower risk, and that's whenever there's just a heavy downpour of rain and your field becomes saturated in the water pools. So that's not likely to have con uh, contamination in it. Um, so we're really more concerned with the other type of flooding where it's from surface water. And we're probably experiencing some of that now. I know uh, particularly over in western Arkansas, uh, some of the counties there are seeing some extensive flooding where the water is staying up. That's the type of floods we're talking about, right? Yes, yeah, those surface waters that are overflowing into your field, those are the ones we need to be concerned about. And with produce, what you really need to look at, if you still have crops in the field, you need to go and see if the edible portion of that crop is under the flood water. Because if it is, unfortunately, um, according to the Federal Food and Drug Cosmetic Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act, that food is considered adulterated and you are not allowed to sell it. So unfortunately, that crop is lost. So folks uh, who are raising produce at home to eat, they should be aware of this too, right? Because it could be a danger if they consume uh crops that have been under the water. Absolutely, yeah. So anything that is edible 
um, whether it's covered produce or not covered under the produce safety rules. So we can get into that if we have questions about the, those different types of crops and the laws. Um, it doesn't matter what kind of produce it is or what kind of crop it is. If it is for human consumption and is under flood water, it is adulterated and cannot go into the market. Or even just it shouldn't be consumed by the grower if you're a home grower. So this is sort of a common sense type of thing, but a lot of us haven't heard of it before maybe. I, I didn't. I didn't realize this was such a an issue for some of our farmers. But it, it really makes sense. If you got these floodwaters, they could carry these different types of contaminants you were talking about, and there's no way to get rid of those on the produce that might be consumed. Right, yeah. And a lot of people will ask, well, what if I cook the contaminated crop? Will that that be sufficient? And according to that Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, no, you still can't sell it, even if it's cooked and processed. Um, Even if you wash it in a produce wash with a chlorine chemical, it's still not allowed to be sold under the law. So... uh a news release uh, came out recently uh, from the UA Division of Agriculture, and it and it mentioned uh, what to do with produce that was in or near flooded areas, but was not in contact with contaminated floodwaters. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So, if your field, if you have a taller crop in your field that floods but the edible portion has not come into contact with that water. So if you have like baked tomatoes or sweet corn where the the actual edible portion is up higher, um, that's not adulterated, but it does have some level of risk to it. And then it's up to the farmer's discretion on whether or not they are comfortable with harvesting that and selling it. So the risk comes from Splashing. So if it's still pouring down rain, that rainwater is splashing up and you could potentially get um, those contaminants onto the crop. Or even after the flood has receded and you're out working in your fields, you could be picking up that contamination on your clothing, get it on your hands, um, your equipment could carry it through. So there's just some risk involved. So it's really up to the farmer to decide whether or not they want to harvest it at that point. And that applies the same for um, adjacent fields to flood to fields that have been flooded. So the same kind of risks could apply. So really, the farmer uh, needs to go out and evaluate things. There might be some of his produce that's uh, high enough up or far enough away that perhaps it would still be safe. But you mm-hmm. have to do a thorough evaluation, I would think, to be sure that's the case. Yes. Yeah, you would need to definitely go check things out, um, make a note of how high the flood water went, even if that's going out and checking it periodically as we get these pouring rains. Um, just have some way of determining whether or not you feel it's safe or not. Well, I know that uh, the Cooperative Extension Service always provides us with some good resources. Are there places uh, folks could go uh, that might have additional information about this a little more in depth if they wanted to uh, get more more facts. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we put together a resource on our website, which is www.uaex.edu backslash produce safety um, under the resources tab. And it talks about the different types of floodwaters, what to do with the produce that came into contact with the contaminated floodwaters. And then we give a whole bunch of different resources if you want to take a deeper dive. Um, there is a publication by the Produce Safety Alliance on uh, food safety and flooded farms that goes into a little bit more detail on this topic and gives recommendations on what to do if you have experienced flooding. Um, there's a couple of other resources listed there as well. Um, the National Hurricane Center, um, some phone numbers for produce reconditioning requests for contamination events in Arkansas. So there's a contact info on that sheet for farmers if they're interested in that. So that's a good uh, resource all the time. Uh, folks could write this down again. Uh, be sure we didn't miss it. It's U-A-E-X dot E-D-U. Is that correct? That's correct. Backslash produce safety. That will get you directly to our produce safety page. Very good. Well, we appreciate you taking time to uh, talk with us today, Julia, and share this information. I know nobody uh, who's out there raising uh, good Arkansas produce wants to have anybody get sick because they ate something that, that they shouldn't have. So this should be a, a good uh, topic for folks to learn more about what's going on in this regard while we have all this flooding going on. And we really appreciate your help. Oh, thank you for having me. And if anyone has specific questions for their farm, please feel free to reach out to anyone on my team. Dr. Amanda Filial-Perez is the safety, uh, food safety specialist for Arkansas, and then anyone else on my team is knowledgeable on this topic and could provide any assistance. And all of our contact information is on our website. Well, thank you for being here, and uh, we will look forward to the next time we get to visit with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Finally, Greg Patterson talked to Brenda Patton of the Benton County Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee about what her group has had to overcome to continue their mission during the COVID-19 pandemic. This is Greg Patterson, and on this edition of Arkansas AgCast, my guest is Brenda Patton. She is the chairwoman of the Benton County Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee, the top committee last year and two years before that. Brenda Welcome to Arkansas AgCast. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Okay, so you guys are super active. I mean, you guys have one of the best committees in the state. Um, you're always on the go. I always enjoy talking to you whenever we bump into each other because you, you, you're able to tell me what's going on and fill me in on the latest details of a very busy committee. But then COVID showed up six months ago, <laughs> right in the middle of school. And I know you guys do a lot of school programs and things like that. So how have you had to adjust? How has the committee had to adjust over time? Well, we really have had to adjust in a big way. The last time we met in person as a group was when we attended the State Women's Conference in early March. And, and right and after 
Yeah. And that's unheard of for you guys not to have met face to face for right. for for that long amount of time. I just want want folks to know who are listening out there. This committee is on the ball constantly, <laughs> and these ladies meet on a regular basis. So you haven't been able to meet since March. Not in person, but there are <laughs> other ways to meet, and that's what we've been having to do this whole time is just find alternative ways to make it happen. And the girls have been doing a wonderful job with that. So, so give some examples of of uh, how you've been able to quote unquote meet in the last nine months. Well, for example, instead of having a regular monthly meeting, we meet on Zoom sometimes, or we do Facebook, or we just uh, communicate with the whole group in a, a text where everybody can read everybody's comments. So there's lots of different choices to make that part happen. Well, and that's that's the beauty, of course, of social media and the different um, you know apps that are out there. That uh, I didn't know what Zoom was until the end of March, and now <laughs> you know I spend a lot of time zooming around and meeting <laughs> no one in person. But uh, that's that's what happens. So. You guys were the, the last three years, you've been the top women's committee in the state. Give our listeners an idea of a normal year of what kind of things you are doing. Well, actually, we're still trying to do our normal year, but we're just finding new ways to do that. Um, for example, instead of sharing at the schools, um, we have provided, especially like when COVID first hit and they closed the schools, and they were having to round up all the kids, especially elementary kids, things to send home to them in sacks that parents would drive through and pick up. Right. Um, we provide, we stuck farm coloring books and uh, ag readers in all of those bags. So that was one way that we could get into the classroom, even though the classroom was dismantled. We have mailed our, like, Farmers Feeding Families donations, we've mailed those instead of delivering them in person. Um, we communicate with other educators more on email or in texts and set things up. For example, we recently uh, fed the FFA at one of our county schools as they had a limited leadership meeting but they did all the spacing all the masks the, right, they did it right. correctly and we fed them we ordered in pizza again we couldn't deliver the food but kids like that so there are yeah exactly because normally you guys would be showing up as i remember things in the past and and you know there, there might even be some of the some of the guys from the county too along with the women and doing all the cooking and and right. feeding and everything, and this time it was, uh, you know, dial it up on the phone and, and have the, uh, the the Uber drivers or whatever the different <laughs> food delivery services. But, you know, and, and that was one of the things when schools first let out, you know, there are USDA programs for feeding kids and stuff like that who are the, mm -hmm. you know, lower income kids. And, and you guys have been always been involved in some sort of a, um, uh, a program that helps um, feed the kids at schools, and all that stuff got disrupted. Yes, it did. 
we started reaching out and we connected with an, a homeschool group too. And I would typically send them information that we would get that so that they could um, acquire it too. Usually it was like visit videos or mm-hmm. learning opportunities. And I shared that and I think we probably need to expand that more and make sure we're doing that. It's just really hard to try and hit every single home in Benton County. <laughs> sure, sure. So to start with the the homeschool group is a beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, um, I know schools down here in Central Arkansas started <clears throat> last week, and and so we're into the second week of school. So schools are reopening. And I'm sure there's, you know, obviously all the health department regulations and the mask regulations and stuff. How are you guys getting involved in schools now? Obviously, you're probably not visiting schools yet, but yeah. you're refining some of the techniques that you already started, I would assume, right. uh, before. Yes. Um, right now, one of the things on the table is the push for membership, um, which is coming up. And... We like to make sure that all of our high schools and junior highs, no, it would just be high schools, high schools that have FFA units Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. realize that they can get free membership. And the state has extended it this year that not only could the officers and the sponsor get free membership with limited benefits, um, that all senior FFA members, whether they're an officer or not, can also mm-hmm. be included in that. And I think that's wonderful because that's going to get them hooked and, uh, you know, I think they'll be strong in the future because of that. Um, last year at the state convention, we took one county's FFA students to one day at the state convention and they right, right. they left that. so enthused and <laughs> man they were especially it helped that one of the girls won one of the major prizes that was offered sure, the door prize sure. but uh, they just loved it and i got a chance to talk to them about how farm bureau works and how policies made and um it was a good deal it was a good thing for them well and and in regards to that you know how farm bureau works how policies made um those events, especially policy development and different things right now, they're happening uh, as we speak for Farm Bureau. Obviously, fall is a busy time of year. And how are you approaching your fall season as far as your Farm Bureau events that the women are always involved with, whether they're leading those events themselves or their support for events? We're still supporting as much as we can, but I would feel really bad if I put anybody at risk by asking them to do something that um, exposed them to this virus. So it is, it's limited, but we're just staying really positive and making sure that we are making a difference still. In some way, you know. Yeah, and, and you all make a great difference. Of course, ag education is is preeminent in a lot of the work that you do. Um, a lot of people don't realize how much work the Women's Leadership Committee does behind the scenes <laughs> in in helping with events, 
in filling out paperwork. And then you have your own events that are, are you know, when the, the women get together, whether it's on a county basis or a state basis, even some national conferences. And, of course, all of that has, has come to a screeching halt. What, you know, as far as we all learn when we have to do new things or do things differently, is there anything that has, you know, just struck you during the last six months where you've had to, where you've gone, wow, I either learned something from a new event that we're doing or I learned something else because of this COVID stuff? Before you finished your question, I was already thinking that even things that are bad can cause something good to happen because we can't do things the way we've always done them. We've found new ways, and it's been awesome to expand what we're working on because I think we're gonna, it's going to open up some more doors that we hadn't thought of before. Um, for example, judging contests. We can't meet all together to do that in a closed mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. So we have judged uh, Rice is Nice, Dairy Food, Clothing, and the TOST, which uh, the TOST program is the brainchild of member Linda Simpson, um, where you take trash from local areas and recycle <laughs> it into a sculpture. I and love she that. Has different, oh, it's awesome. And the kids I, when, go wild with that. They do. You know, it was interesting. The first time I was uh, uh, where the TOSS program was brought before me and, you know, here here's a potential story. And I was like, what? They're doing what? <laughs> and, and go ahead and talk a little bit about TOSS because uh, recently you, you helped judge that program. Yes, yes. Um, well, what Linda has done is create all the rules, and ever since it started, we're finding ways to polish the rules up and the standards and get more people involved, so it's going to grow still. But those kids get prizes from Farm Bureau Women's Committee to um, participate, and we give we also give prizes at the fair, so they participate on a county level, but then they also can take all their um, constructions to the fair and have a chance to win something there. And they love those things. And I have been in the past, before this year, we judged in the schools where they were um, developed, and it was wonderful. The kids would just come down through there like they were looking at uh, shelves of new toys, you know, they just wanted to see all these structures. <laughs> they were having and, a ball. And the great, the great thing about it is, is the youngsters will take trash to use use the more vulgar vulgar term that mm-hmm. the stuff that you would normally toss out. Hence the name, the tossed program, and and they take the recycled material. So so obviously they learn about recycling as well. Mm-hmm. This material is, 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 you know, all clean that they can work with it, and they create most of the stuff that I've seen, if not all of it, is some sort of, of farm or ag-related sculpture of some sort that, yes. that has some sort of story that that child or youngster can tell about, you know, what they've created. Um, am I getting the, the gist of the program there? <laughs> Each year they have a different uh, theme. This okay. year's was on the farm, and so everything related to the farm. 
and there were some very creative things going on there too. Um, but the first one, I'm trying to remember which one was the first one, which one came next. The first one didn't have as many limits or mm-hmm. ideas, mm-hmm. but uh, like I said, it, the program is evolving, and each year it's just it's getting better and better and more popular, and I think it's going to be here for a while. And that's great because those kids will look at trash in a different way from now on. You know, they'll know that they, it shouldn't be left out there to contaminate the environment. And right. it also gives them a chance to use their creative ideas, which is a blessing to kids. They need Absolutely. to be creative. And, and they, they, they learn about uh, protecting the environment, about recycling. It's all also related to art. Uh, yes. which is great. I used to love art when I was in school as well, and they learn all these new things. And it's a wonderful program that was created by one of your women's leadership committee members. Mm-hmm. And is, is there anything I've missed here about talking about COVID? And I'm sure you want to shout out to your women about how much you appreciate the effort that they put into this during these trying times. I just don't think there's a group anywhere else in the whole wide world that works like <laughs> these ladies do. They they are just magnificent, and I just really do appreciate everything that they do. They always say, yes, what can I do? And never, very seldom does anybody have to bow out. They're just all sold on getting this done. Um, we've had opportunities lately to take advantage of learning and growing opportunities like Arkansas Women in the in Ag presented mm-hmm. a conference, but it was right, online. Right. Um, Nate Coe, the National Ag in the Classroom group, sure. has also done a two-day video thing, on, and we learned so much from all that. So I think from going to those things, it gave us more enthusiasm and creative ideas on how to do things in our own county. Well, Brenda Patton is who we've been speaking to today. She is the chairwoman with the Women's Leadership Committee up in Benton County. And, Brenda, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to speak with us on Arkansas AgCast today. I especially appreciate the fact that you have really made it a priority to uh, protect all the ladies that are in the Women's Leadership Committee and and following the the health guidelines. It is a trying time during this pandemic, but it sounds like the Benton County Women's Leadership Committee has been as active as ever. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you. That's all for another Arkansas AgCast. We'll be back next Thursday with more interviews and news about Arkansas agriculture.